Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Kylie Camps and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's podcast. Episode 66 is a conversation with the amazingly talented and refreshingly honest and open Amy Shepard. Amy is, as I mentioned, super talented. She's a singer, a songwriter. She's written and released some amazing music with her band Shepard, and you will have 100% bopped along to one of their songs at one stage or another because they're everywhere. The songs are massive. You would have heard of them. Um, But today, even though we touch on that briefly, the conversation is really much more centered around a movement that Amy unintentionally started. We talk about how Amy has decided to kiss Facetune goodbye. And in a moment of clarity, she sparked a movement A movement that really, really has gone on to impact women, not just nationally, but internationally. I really, really enjoyed my chat with her and I hope you do as well. So without any further ado, please enjoy episode 66. Amy, thank you so much for making time in your busy day for this chat. I've been super looking forward to it because I really love the movement that you've created and the way you've become such an advocate for girls and women and just people in general. It's super, super needed. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I've been um, looking forward to this chat now that I've been following you on Instagram and seeing what you're all about. And, um, yeah, I think it's amazing just, um, I guess, what we can do with our Instagram accounts. And, um, yeah, well, thank you for having me. It is. It's really, really exciting. And I think... It's so funny because Instagram, it is just an app on your phone at the end of the day, but it really is such a portal to connection and you can, you can make such a positive change with it and you're definitely doing that. And not only are you doing that, not only are you creating this massive movement, which is incredible and we're going to unpack that, but you're super, super, super talented and I highly doubt that there will be anyone listening right now who has not found themselves singing along to one of your songs. Um, (laughs) Particularly, even the other day, my boys, I don't know, I think you do know, I've got six-year-old twin boys. They had a show on, and I can't remember the name of it. It was an animated one, perhaps about a polar bear or something like Uh, that. Yep, yep. (laughs) And your music was in it, and and they were bopping along. And I was like, oh, mommy's going to be talking to this singer. And they thought that was so cool. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I want to say it's like Norm of the North or something. Yeah. Gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Yeah, Geronimo has just been such a crazy song. It was in so many movies that I can't can't even remember the name. I can't even remember. Well, yeah, but it was so fortunate to have the opportunity with Geronimo and what it did and um also coming home um yeah I think it's funny because a lot of I guess a lot of people still don't know the band but they know the songs so um yeah we've just been working on trying to I guess connect the music to the band but but it's kind of nice as well because I don't have that extra pressure of um 
you know, the pressure that I already have of being under the public eye as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and so with your band, that's a band that's you and your and two of your siblings, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, my brother George uh, is co-lead singer with me and uh, my sister Emma is the bass player. And then we've got um, two friends, so Dean plays drums and Jason Bavino is guitarist and helps us write songs as well. That's so, so cool. Yeah, it's a five-piece. And when I was reading up about you, there was actually two things that jumped out at me that I was like, oh, there we go. One was that there was a former member of Shepherd called Jared who I went to school with oh really yeah I think there's a small world world. it is a small world the second thing was that I noticed you you grew up in Papua New Guinea which really made me smile because my dad grew up in Rabau in PNG and he speaks so fondly of his (laughs) childhood there so what was your life like in Papua New Guinea it was so different to life here here in Australia um I don't think I really realized just how um, much of a culture shock I was going to have when I moved over but um yeah my time in PNG was really special and I still go back I feel like we haven't really left PNG officially um I go back about once a year because my dad's is still there and um I was in Raval I think last year and it is the most beautiful place that you could ever visit um I know PNG's got a lot of issues around crime and poverty and corruption and all sorts of issues. Um, so it does get a bit of a bad rap, but once you do get out of Port Moresby, which is where I lived, um, it honestly is the most stunning place. It's untouched by tourists and it's just, um, you, you know, like deserted islands really. And you just like wake up to thousands of dolphins and, um, you know, coral reefs like you've never seen. So uh, I do have a really... Yeah, I have a really soft spot for Papua New Guinea. I was born there, so uh, it really it is my first home, and um, I miss it all the time. And it's a strange one because if I guess someone who hasn't been there would probably land in Port Moresby and be like, "Oh my god, like where am I?" Um, because it is really poverty stricken, um, which is you know it does break my heart because I do um, really feel for all the all the locals and people who don't have the opportunities. Um, but, you know, that that is part of my drive as well. Um, I've been given such a lot of opportunity in my life. And, yeah, I guess I guess going back there, you really uh, learn to appreciate what you do have and it does make you very grateful. That's one of those things, isn't it? I even think about that with my two boys. I always think, wow, they're so lucky where we live. Mm. But it's not until they have that perspective and they move out of this area that they're going to realise and get that, yeah. I guess, bit of awareness. And so for you, I imagine you would have found a little bit of awareness about how special it is where you were born when mm. you moved to Brisbane. And if if my information is right, you then attended boarding school at around 12 in Brisbane? Yeah, I um, uh, flew over to Brisbane and... Um, yeah, it was such a shock. I was just not used to like I've never I'd never crossed the street by myself. I'd never been able to go to the movies uh, by myself or you know without my parents because they don't even have cinemas in PNG or they didn't at the Total time. Total culture shock. Yeah, I just remember being so excited by like Slurpees and <laughs> um, <laughs> just the little things really. Um, um, but yeah, it was a really big culture shock and just the way that, cause I went to an all girls private school. Um, wow. yeah. And it was very strict and, um, I was alone in boarding school, um, for the first time. And, and it's kind of that age too, isn't it? Where girls, I feel like a lot of girls can be quite catty young and we do become yeah. aware really yeah. young, I guess of that potential competitiveness with other other females. And when I think back to myself in primary school, I can remember being really aware of body types and ideals and that whole notion that one body type is better or more worthy than another. Mm. And it's scary how young it starts. Yeah, it remember, really is. Do you remember feeling that way as well? Like was body image a concern for you from a young age? Oh, most Definitely. Um, I was an overweight child, I BMI standards. Um, 
but I remember, yeah, I was picked on for being fat and um, even just, I don't know whether you guys had this in your school, but do you remember being weighed in front of everyone? Like that's something that's really stuck in my head. Just learning about um, metrics and measurements, um, they thought it was a good idea to weigh everybody, and I was the heaviest in my class. And I remember that really oh stuck with God. me because, and everyone was like laughing at me and, um, yeah, calling me a fatty and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's funny the things that stick with you, um, yeah. and I wonder if like something like that has really stuck with me. Well, definitely something that has stuck with me throughout my adult whole, my whole life. Um, putting such a an, an emphasis on how much I weigh. Um, it's a time that we're, we're forming an identity and that ideal. And when your brain's forming, you want to be like other people. You don't want to stand out necessarily. Mm. And you don't want to be you know, the heaviest the girl or yes, the heaviest person in the class. It's such, like, such a stupid concept for teachers to even weigh kids. I, didn't, I don't remember having that at my yeah. school, but that it's, yeah, no wonder that stuck with you and stayed with you. Yeah, I can't remember what class, whether it was PE or whether it was just us trying to learn about, like, weight and measurements and all that. Um, but, yeah, I remember that uh, being humiliated. Um, and, yeah, and then – but I had a good – I had a pretty good um, childhood, you know. I was pretty happy. I did get picked on, but – yeah, I think coming to Australia was the big moment where I realised that, I don't know, I was very different to everyone. It wasn't like like primary school and high school are so different and especially a private girls' school from, a you know, an international, you know, all kids kind of mix in Papua New Guinea. Um, and that's, yeah, like the cliques had already formed because there were girls who were there from, you know, prep and preschool. And they, you know, they had created these cliques and coming in knowing nobody. Um, yeah, I found it really hard to make friends or relate to anyone because I wasn't this like pretty popular girl that I felt that I had to be. Um, yeah, so that it was a real struggle moving to Australia, and I think, yeah, I just missed home so much, and yeah, it was a, it was a struggle. I can imagine. And like we were saying, because you just don't want to be other. You want to be like yeah. everyone else. You want to blend in. Yeah. So to feel like there was a spotlight put on you and saying, wow, here you are. You're from a completely different country. You've come in. You're also the heaviest. You're mm. not going to feel like everyone else. I can imagine how hard that would have been for you mm. to make that transition with everything else happening too. And I know that you always always had a passion in your heart to grow and develop into an artist and so mm -hmm. as that happened for you as you found your voice and your feet in songwriting how did you feel about being in the spotlight when you'd already been bullied as a child and you'd already felt that pressure to conform and be like everyone else mm. as you kind of grew in that space did you find it hard to I guess in air quotes be seen um well, it was more, you know, I used that as a drive, um, all the bullying and um, I guess, what would you call it when people don't like bully you, um, obviously, but it's like subliminally and like you just know that you don't want to be like, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I used all of that as fuel. I was, I just knew that one day I would be um, a singer and in the public eye and um, I, whether that's a good thing or not, I use that as fuel to get to where I am today, um, which is a lot of pressure, you know. Um, yeah, but yeah, trying to keep up with that perfect image is impossible, um, especially as we get older. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I've gotten to a point now where I, I feel like people um, – they are starting to know, they know who Shepard are now. And I just um, don't feel as much pressure to have to live up to a standard because I've proved myself through my music. And um, that's what I want to portray to people is that you can be successful and you don't have to be the perfect looking person to get there. It's not like it's irrelevant to your music really. And it should yeah. be, you know. Absolutely. And so in the early days, 
did you, I guess, find it hard to separate that from going, you know what, I have this amazing talent and here are these gifts that I have Mm. to offer and share, but you felt like you had to kind of have it wrapped up in being what you felt was the ideal of a pop star or an indie star. You had to have it all together. Yeah, of course. I mean, when you look at your um, idols or your the people that you are striving, the level that you're striving for, and you look at all the role models and you look at what they look like, and it's a particular type. It's changing a little bit now, but, you know, you look at um, like the Katy Perrys and the, the Gagas and, you know, all of them have been through, when, they, when you really look into it, they've all been through the same issues, Gaga especially. Um Demi Lovato, you know, she, she's yes, coming out with all of it now. I was just going to say her, yes. yeah. Um, because it's... it seems like so many women in the spotlight are kind of forced to go through that machine of mm-hmm. being really aesthetically pleasing and dressing a certain way. And yeah. I know that even in the real world, it can feel like as women, the way that we look and the way that we dress gets commented on so frequently yeah. let alone on a much larger scale like mm. with you and you have more eyes on you and it really is it's just a moving target because you can't please everyone you're never going to be able to but did you find that you were getting you know people publicly commenting on how you look oh yeah most definitely I remember people I posted a selfie once and I thought I looked really good and then like all these people were like wow you look tired oh you look terrible and I just remember being like well I am tired like I'm just I'm on a world tour like I got up this morning at 4 a.m for a morning show now I'm at a show like and then it's I'm 11 p.m exhausted. like I'm yeah tired. um ah <laughs> oh, so it, yeah that people will pick apart anything they're like oh your eyebrows are this your hair is grown out your you know your blue is turning green you're um you know, I, you you have a role. It's everything. I pick apart anything, and that can you know really shake someone's confidence. And they think, oh, well, they're a celebrity. They have it all, so they don't, probably don't care, or it doesn't affect them. But um, comments like that, what you know, words hurt, and comments like that can really shake someone's self worth. Yeah, absolutely. And you've mentioned in the past that you found yourself kind of going to extreme lengths to be, you know, or to portray a perfect image can Mm. you share what sort of extreme lengths you felt you had to go to well dieting definitely um I would you know like fast a lot (laughs) and although I've never been diagnosed with an eating disorder it it did get to the obsessive point where I like had to like count out how many nuts I was having and um like disordered eating um which I think a lot of people have without even realizing um, oh, completely. That's why even when I was recently looking up the statistics for uh, people struggling with eating disorders, I'm like, that's not even true because there are so many people that have, you know, some sort of varying degree of disordered eating that haven't been diagnosed. Yeah, so, not sick enough to be diagnosed or seek to yeah. seek help. Yeah, um, and people kind of have this ideal that if it's an eating disorder, you have to have you have to be anorexic. You have to mm-hmm. be really, really underweight when that's so far from the truth. Anorexia yeah. is such a small portion of eating disorders. And have you so, heard of um, orthorexia now? The new? Yes. Yes. New eating disorder. With being healthy. Yeah. Um, and that's, so oh, I see it. I see it every day. People have to check labels and yeah, it's, it's mental health. It's when your, your, your mental health is um, sacrificed Um that's when you know there's a, a problem um and yeah I definitely was sacrificing my mental health to have the perfect uh body or try and obtain the perfect body but you know when I got to like what I would say now was very thin <laughs> um I still had cellulite and I think that's what I was really trying to get rid of was like oh my god like yeah my upper body is really skinny but my legs still wobble and I still have cellulite and I just couldn't accept that um, because I wanted to be the pop star that could wear a little leotard and, you know, the pop star well, outfit. Of course, that because that's, that's what we're sold the dream is, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, sample sizes is another one. I've, like, I think my skinniest, I was like a size, still a size 10 because I do have like thicker thighs. Um, 
smaller on top, but yeah, I was still struggling to fit into the outfits that stylists would choose. They're like, oh, it's a sample size. This should fit, you know, and it doesn't. And they're like, oh, like you're actually, like, and little comments like, oh, you're, you're bigger than what I, than what you look, you know, <laughs> oh, and things like that just really get to you eventually. Um, and then, yeah, putting on a size an eight or a sample size and it not fitting, you're like, oh, like I really want to wear this cool outfit, but it's tiny. Um, yeah, yeah and then it's, it's a whole other level for you because it's one thing for us, you know, for the everyday person to go into a store and pick out a size 12 or a size 10 or like whatever the size is, it doesn't mm. matter, but to choose mm. your own clothes. But then for you turning up to photo shoots and videos and performances and having the help of, I imagine, stylists bringing you things and then saying to you, oh, it doesn't fit you. Yeah. Like it's just mentally setting you up to feel yeah. inadequate. Well, even now when I'm like, I'm a size 12 and sometimes you might need to get a 14 because some size 12s aren't size 12s anymore. Um, and I really make a point of it and still, like, I still get eights and tens and like, oh, we can just like, just try it. It's a big 10. I'm like, ah, like it's frustrating because I know my size, you know. Um, yeah, so that's been a bit of a struggle. Um, and it's not the stylist's fault either, um, because they're just, you know, they've got a wardrobe to pick from and what they're given is, you know, eights to tens. So it's really is a fundamental issue that we need to sort of break down. And, um, yeah, I just don't know how it's going to, how it's going to be fixed. But yeah, Emma and I now resort to start, we do a lot of styling ourselves now because it's just, it's too stressful. Well, and I think that that is, I think you've hit the nail on the head. That's how it is going to be fixed. It's taking back control and saying, okay, well, if that's the sample sizes that we're provided with right now, we're not going to look at those sample sizes mm -hmm. because if enough people stop looking at them, then they will have to play catch up, I guess. Yeah. And it, you know, it might mean that we don't get to wear the latest fashion or fashion before it's on the shelves, but, um, so be it. I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> like, no, and you've got to yeah. look after your mental and emotional wellness. And it really is just so scary what we can put ourselves through, mm. you know, not just our mental health, but physiologically the damage that we do to our bodies just to please, you know, an industry. And the thought of being trapped in that self-hate cycle is really scary. Mm. But you have really changed up the script for yourself. And in doing so, you've positively impacted more women than I think you will ever really know. So can you tell me about that pivotal moment last year when you had your fuck this moment? Mm. Yeah. Um, look, I was, it was a long time coming. I've just been so sick and tired of Instagram and seeing all of these perfect bodies and knowing that they've been edited um, and also trying to keep up with it. You know, I've always been quite honest um, since I started my movement that in the past I've used, um, airbrushing apps and like, I would never cinch my waist or cinch my shape, but I would, um, airbrush cellulite out, airbrush my skin, use a million filters, sharpen this, um, smooth that. So, um, I have been honest with that. And it was, it just came from a place of trying to keep up with, um, what I thought people wanted to see. Um, and I was like, oh, like if I posted a photo that's not perfect, like it's not going to get as many likes and then, you know, my engagement's going to go down and um, my whole business essentially is going to be at detriment for trying to show a bit of, you know, some pimples or whatever. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was looking for some content and, um, of course, because if you don't post, as the app is you. Um, <laughs> so... I was scrolling and I came across a photo that my boyfriend took of me by the pool. And I remember loving this photo because it was candid and just he, it was just a beautiful shot. And I was kind of like looking back at him smiling um, and I really loved it. But there was all these reasons I hadn't posted it. I had cellulite up the back of my legs. Um, you know, my tan was probably uneven. Uh, there was all these reasons. Uh, my, my bathers were digging in. So I had a bit of a, you know, bit of a roll. And also my biggest insecurity has been my butt because uh, I've been told I've had a bit, I have a bit of a bubble butt um, and I've hated it for so long. Just, you know, when you walk and you can see your butt moving, like, I used to hate that mm -hmm. so much. But my butt is always the last place I would lose weight. So, yeah, again, that's why 
I would diet so hard so that my butt would be the last place to lose. And when I had lost my butt, I'd be like, yes, I'm there, nearly there, you know. I've done it. I'm finally nearly invisible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, But it's just not where my body wants to be. Um, Anyway, I found this photo and I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll just airbrush it and, like, put a few filters on it. And I spent 10 minutes like airbrushing the back of my legs, my butt. Um, You know, I looked at this photo and I looked like a Barbie doll. Like it was just flawless and my skin was just like no features. (laughs) And um, I chucked a filter on it, a bit of grain. And I was like about to post it. And when I was thinking of a caption, I just thought, you know what? I I can't do this anymore. There's so many people who are following me. And I think on the last the photo, one of the photos I had posted previously was of me by the pool. And I know that I had edited it and I was getting all these comments being like, oh my God, weren't you just in Europe? Like you look amazing. Didn't you eat any croissants? You know? And I, and I had put on weight, but I had, ed- you know, edited the photo yeah. and I, I just was like, oh, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's so wrong. Um, so I, yeah, I posted the photo without the airbrushing and I, I, I can't remember the caption exactly, but I just said feast something like feast your eyes upon um, a bit of cellulite. Um, yeah. And kiss my fat ass, something like that. And um, I just threw my phone away cause I was just so over it. And I kind of expected it to be one of those posts that, you know, doesn't quite reach what you normally get um, in terms of likes. And um, when I came back to my phone, like an hour later, I was just like, Oh my God. Uh, like inundated with messages and I had so many comments it was my most liked photo and um yeah I was just like what is going on here and the support I had for that photo was overwhelming um and the resounding you know I thought I would get a lot of criticism for it but the resounding voice was um me too you know thank god you posted this I've been feeling this way for so long um and then um I posted it the next day. I posted another photo with um, even more cellulite showing. And I said, I again said the kiss my fat ass thing. And then people started hashtagging it. And I was getting photos from all around the world of women in bikinis showing their curves and cellulites and rolls and using the hashtag kiss my fat ass. So, yeah. It's such a powerful story, Amy, because you can. I can imagine you being sat there and you spent this time crafting what you thought people wanted to see because this is what you've been, you know, a lot of your actions have mapped towards this. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I've got to be this, I've got to be this, and you've spent so much time doing it. And so, of course, like the whole, personally, I've never used one of the apps, like the Facetunes or I I think that's what it's called, Um, to make these changes but I've seen it on one of my girlfriend's phone um and I was just I couldn't believe that everyday people are doing this but for you it would be an extension from because you've been put on a pedestal you've been on stage you've been in magazines you've been on tv you've had the right lighting you've had the right makeup you've had the right costume you've had the airbrushing so, of course, it would just seem like, oh, if I'm going to share any of me, this is the side of me that people want to see. Yeah, that's that's it. I thought that's what people wanted to see of me. Um, yeah. So for you to be sat there and actively doing that, trying to craft the side of you that you thought people wanted to see, and then to have that moment of going, no, I have responsibility here, and to mm. just think, fuck it, I'm going to post the raw. And then, like you said, you threw your phone away. How did you feel when you actually hit live? Like, were you fearful? Yeah, I was. I thought that I was going to get quite a lot more hate than I did. Um, I don't think I even got one negative comment on that photo. Um, But, yeah, just when – I think there was another lightning bolt moment when I did pick up my phone um, and saw all the the messages coming through and the comments coming through that – this is what people need. This is what people want to see. And, you know, I need to be the change that I want to see on Instagram and on social media. Um, Because I look at all the young girls posting, I'm like, oh, this is like, this is going south. I don't know what's, what our future generation is going to be like um, if we're, these are the role models that they're getting. Mm -hmm. Um, So, 
yeah, I just had enough. I was having all, and I was thinking all of these things in my head about, you know, role models and being, you know, being responsible for my, my photos that I post, but, um, I just wasn't putting it into action. So it felt, it was a huge relief really just to be able to, um, yeah, to let it out and just say, it doesn't seem like such a big deal now, but looking at the time, it was such a big deal to post my fat ass in quotation marks on, on the internet. Completely. And it's almost as though that moment, that little, you know, two seconds of courage to hit live, it pushed you into your alignment and it kind of opened the floodgates because, you know, even when I scrolled back on your feed, there is an obvious difference from when you posted that image and it's like all of a sudden you can just see in your photos you're lit up and you're glowing and you're authentic and so it's like that split second of going oh fuck it I'm going to be really honest I'm going to post this it opened the floodgates for you and yeah in the most impactful way and I've read you know in a previous interview that you said that just starting that movement changed your life in Mm. such a positive way and it also changed your life in the way of you then going on to take that buzz and that acknowledgement and that hype of your hashtag into writing Mm. an empowerment anthem which is called kiss my fat ass or kiss my fat ass however you want to say it (laughs) and Everyone, when you finish with this interview, you need to go and listen to this song and also the most recent song as well. But it's such a positive and fun song, but it's got such an important topic and the film clip is so, so, so on point. So for anyone who hasn't heard the song or seen the film clip, tell us about it. So I was trying to think of a way that I could bring kiss my fat ass to the next level I really wanted to do something other than just um, posting on Instagram so of course what better way to do that than to write a song Um, and of course I had the straight away had the um, image of the film clip as I was writing the song Um, and I remember watching um, Blurred Lines that video clip for the first time and I remember feeling so shit about myself because I wanted to look like um, Emily Raddick What's her name? Emily. Anyway. Emrata. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to be her. And then the uncensored, the uncensored version came out. Do you remember that? And I was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, my, what is this? (laughs) Like, but I I didn't see it as like, oh, um, you know, women shouldn't be objectified like that. I saw it as. um, That's what we should be. That's what I need to be. And that's what's attractive. Um, so I wanted to make my own version of um, Blurred Lines and I got um, asked all of these women who have inspired me along the way if they would join me in this video clip and most of them said yes. Um, a few of them pulled out once I said it was in underwear. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of confronting. Yeah. yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen it, it's um, a bunch of diverse, awesome women um, who – dancing in nude underwear on set (laughs) and uh, we had a bit of choreography and if you watch the film clip it's actually not perfect like we didn't really know the dance moves that well and we we mess up and we laugh and we um I also featured um like women doing what they do so um I had um Cara Saunders who's a crossfitter and I just think like she is amazing. She had just had She's a baby. A powerhouse. Oh, she is insane. So, um, and also I wanted to show different body types as well. Um, because I think, you know, there's beauty in all body body shapes and sizes. Um, and she had just had a baby. She was at six weeks and the little baby's on set. Um and Cara wanted to do some crossfitting on set. So she yeah, she was doing like burpees and um I don't know what they call devil devil's press. And then um, in the next, in the next scene, she's there like with her baby comforting the baby. And it was a really beautiful moment. And that whole day was just um, the greatest. We all had so much fun. I think everyone was really nervous to be on set in bra and undies without face tuning, no filters. Like there's nowhere to hide when you're dancing in your bra and undies. Um, But 
at the end of the day, like everyone was just walking around. I think one of the girls, Mon, um, she went out to grab something from her car and she was in her bra and undies. She, she forgot because she was feeling so comfortable. That's so um, cool. Yeah. yeah. So that was a really special project of mine, just getting together awesome women and just um, having that out there on the internet because, um, you know, I just hope that someone's going to see that and be like, oh, wow, like she's you know she's not perfect and she's a pop star and she's doing what she wants and so can I and I don't need to fit into a box so powerful I love it and I'm smiling just even hearing you talk about it because you know you said it's not perfect but it's so real it's so fun and it's so authentic and it's it's needed so I'm I'm glad that you went through with that and you created your own version of blurred lines with such a positive skin (laughs) on it and you know every everything that you've done like it's clearly a cycle of you being authentic and sharing yourself naturally which then inspires others and then they take action and then that confirms for you how needed it is so it's all connected Mm -hmm. and I think that's ultimately what we want from social media and any kind of media is connection and so it must feel amazing to be vulnerable and then to also be held by such a community online and I've read that you've said that this movement is one of your greatest achievements and it's changed your life Mm -hmm. so can you talk me through the ways that it's changed your life in the everyday like how has it changed the way that you show up well uh yeah it has really changed my life because I just see myself differently now I look at myself in the mirror and I don't call myself a beast or all these horrible names or, you know, fat whale. And I don't say it really out loud anymore. Um, that's all that has disappeared. Um, you know, I'm still, I still go to the gym. I still like to keep a pretty balanced life, but I'm not, I'm no longer obsessed with it. Like I don't care if I put on weight. I don't care if I don't fit into a sample size anymore. Cause I'll just make it work. I'll just bring my own clothes, you know? Um, and I'm just happier. I don't like, I've let go of the rope. I'm relaxed and I don't um, let food control my life anymore. You know, you can't reach your potential when you're so worried about what you're eating and you can't, yeah, you can't diet and not think about food. So um, yeah, I've just, I don't really diet anymore. I um, eat intuitively, you know, and that's actually helped a lot. Because there was a moment there where I was like, I went a bit crazy. I was eating everything and everything, anything that I could get. Um, But that's kind of balanced out now. And now I just, if I feel like a piece of cake, I'll have a piece of cake and that's it, you know, and that's fine because I know that if I want another one tomorrow, I can. So I'm not like no longer like binging and, um, you know, restricting afterwards and all that stuff. So I'm just happier in general. And I hope that, um, other people are just taking this on board and um, hopefully they can start focusing more on their craft and what they do and achieving things because yeah how you look being I think I said it in one of my Instagram posts but I truly believe that being pretty and skinny it's not an accomplishment and I think people are spending far too much energy uh, focusing on how they look rather than focusing on what they do and making the world a better place. Yeah, it's so true. I read a post recently from a friend of mine who's a photographer and it was just such a touching post and she said, you know, she's been congratulated more times on losing baby weight because she has three kids than she has been on her craft of being a photographer Mm. and building this amazing brand. So that really hit home for me because I think that, you know, you and I are in a similar age bracket and, I definitely felt growing up that I was primed that how I look is the Mm. most important thing and it's something that I've been unpacking a lot lately for myself and going, okay, am I doing that? Like is that a behaviour that I'm doing because I'm trying to seek approval because that's how I feel loved or is that a behaviour I'm doing because I love myself? And I think it's, you know, those sorts of conversations that you have with yourself they just come yep. with awareness and age, but also being vulnerable and being curious about mm-hmm. how you feel, which can be confronting, but so important. Yeah. And you've got to be honest with yourself as well. Um, you know, some people might be like, but I just like, I go to the gym because it makes me feel good, but it might, 
actually be <laughs> obsessive and that no one else can really be the judge of that. Like it's up to you to really um, tune into your body and like if you're not eating enough, you're the only one that can decipher that. And I think, yeah, as you said, it's really important to um, tune into what your body needs. And, um, yeah, you can't let other people judge or determine that for you. Um, you know, if you want to wear a bikini, go and wear a bikini and post about it. Um, if you want to oh, – what am I trying to say? If you want to, um, like, gain muscle and go and gain muscle. Like, but yeah. it, it – all, it comes down to mental health is what I'm trying to say. And you're the only one that can tell if your behavior is being healthy or not. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's such a, it's a topic that I'm really excited to explore more, not just with you today, but in other episodes of the podcast, because the more I explore it for myself, the more I realize it's such a universal thing. You know, the relationship that women have with their body and food and the preoccupation that we have trying to fit this mold like it's just it's such a big topic and it's so on my mind it is I think it's like bigger than anyone realizes as well um our whole culture is based around (laughs) fat phobia and um trying to be skinny and um you know gender inequality and it's just it's such a huge topic and really the best thing that you can do is just try and control what you do and what you put out into the world and um I can tell you one thing, no matter who you are, whether you're an influencer or just a normal person on Instagram with 100 followers, what you post has a ripple effect. Um, So I just encourage people just to please don't use Facetune because, um, you know, even if it's just one girl who sees a post that has Facetune on it, she's comparing her real body to your fake body. Um, So, yeah, I really encourage people just to think twice about what they post online. I second that notion as well. I think that Facetune just shouldn't exist. It shouldn't be an option. No, I agree. It's, it's really you, damaging. It is completely. And, you know, it's so damaging because it's not just magazines now. It is. It's the everyday person who has access to it. And, you yeah. know, from what I understand with Facetune, not only can you smooth, you can do things like make your lips bigger, make your eyes bigger, like it's whiten your teeth yeah there's so many things you can do and it's scary because it does look quite it can look quite natural as well because people have perfected the art and um yeah a lot of the time you wouldn't even know know that something has been face tuned and I think that's pretty it's just wrong really yeah I agree with you and do you feel like you're more in the moment now like I've read some of your posts where you're like you know what I'm running on the beach and I don't care if yeah. I'm a bit wobbly oh, or whatever it might be. So do you 100%. feel like you're now experiencing life with more intention? Yeah, most definitely. I, You know, I go to the beach and I, I do have a moment where I'm like, oh, you know, when you first take off your clothes and you're like, oh, you're feeling a bit vulnerable. I still have that moment. But then I just remind myself, like, I'm at the beach to enjoy the sun, to feel the sand it's an experience. It's not a fashion parade. So that really helps me get it through. And if people are looking at you, which they're not because they're worried about themselves, um, Mm -hmm. you know, who cares? Like it's not, you know, what people think about you is none of your business. And that's a motto that I really live by. Um, yeah, I just, um, you know, life is so short and I think I'm turning 30 this year and I think it's really hitting home to me how short life is and I just don't want to waste a second of it um worrying about how I look because it's so irrelevant to your life and what you can achieve um and I just wish that I had realized that sooner but I think that we have to go through all of those hard times to actually get to that point and I often say that I feel like when you turn 30 you have a software upgrade and it's like, oh, yeah, things things start to look a bit different. But yeah. speaking of other people's opinions, it's a bit of a funny old world that we live in at times because, you know, there are a lot of people preaching the need for body love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. But then some of those same people have an ideal of what it means to be curvy or to have struggled. And mm-hmm. it's like if you want to be positive, body positive, you have to actually have experienced 
you know, being a certain size or whatever it is. Have you had any pushback about how your body isn't actually big in quotations? Yeah, I have a lot of it. Um, But at the end of the day, I think we're all trying to move towards a better world and our message is the same. As long as you're not saying, yeah, I'm body positive and still face tuning all of your images. Um, you know, we're, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're, we're trying to make this world a better place. And I do acknowledge that larger people do have more of a struggle in this um, society we live in because I've been there. Um, people don't look at fat people the way that they do a slim person. Um, and I can say that because thin I've been privilege, there. and there is such thing as thin privilege, which I acknowledge. Mm. But that doesn't mean that I'm not entitled to the struggles that I've had. And really, I'm just trying to show. I'm just trying to tell my story. I'm not trying to shut down anyone else's story. I'm not trying to take anything away from their story or from their struggles. All I'm doing is sharing my story and hoping that it resonates with some people out there. Yeah, and it, and it is. It's so powerful. And so given that we have so many thoughts each day, how do you personally cultivate that strong internal dialogue? Because you touched on the fact that you still have that little split millisecond at the beach where you go, oh, I'm feeling exposed. But it really comes yeah. back to self-dialogue. So how do you practice that? Um, well, just by doing it, really. And it might sound a bit naff to some people, but look in the mirror it is really important to tell yourself like you look great like look at those curves yeah girl (laughs) I know it sounds really silly but it helps and um I never thought that it would um and I used to when I first started the um, positive self-talk I'd look in the mirror and be like your tummy's beautiful and I just I'd say it out loud I just feel like such an idiot because I didn't believe it but over time you start accepting it And then after you've accepted it, you start to believe it and you start to love yourself. So um, that would be something that I recommend to people is just to shut down that mean girl in your head because um, that is really detrimental to your self-confidence. And when you believe something, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or believes because the important thing is that you believe it. You're like, yeah, I'm big, but just if I'm big or if I've got cellulite, it doesn't mean that I'm not beautiful um so yeah I've just really sort of claimed my flaws uh, or perceived flaws and I've you know I guess cellulite has been one of my big uh, insecurities and um, I've done a lot of research on cellulite and how it has come to be a perceived flaw um, but at the end of the day like cellulite it doesn't do anything negative to you there's nothing bad about cellulite at all it's just because Vogue USA in 1960 decided to say, you know, they had they were the first magazine to have a headline about cellulite, and then all of a sudden, of course, um, you have all these companies selling you remedies for something that was never an issue before that. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I just I think research helps as well in realizing how we've got to this point and how our culture is like this and why it's like this and. Um, once you realize that, I think, um, yeah, you can sort of un- deprogram, unprogram your brain to um, all of the conditioning that we've had. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you've said throughout our chat about how important it is to focus on your other strengths because, you know, like I, I mentioned briefly growing up, I felt that I was primed to be pretty. You have to mm. be this way and so realizing that as an adult and allowing myself to add space between that and going oh wow actually what's important to me are these values over here and attaching to those values so then that way when my body changes when my vessel changes because it does it fluctuates through all different seasons of my life Mm. it doesn't make my confidence or my self-esteem or my self-love take a hit because it's Mm -hmm. not my values that are impacted if yeah. that makes sense so yeah it's so totally. important that we go you know what I've got this vessel and this vessel is going to change god willing because the alternative is not much better you know what yes. I mean? like we're all lucky yeah. to get older and have it change so 
that would be my one thing is attaching to the values and the other things that you like about yourself that aren't to do with your physical state totally and And I think also oh sorry no no you go yeah Oh, I was just saying, I, I might be answering your next question. But um, yeah, and just, I think it's very, oh, you asked your next question. I think it's your next question. I was just going to say, like, you're definitely a role model. And I wanted to know, do you have role models that you look up to? Um, I do have role models. And I think this is a really important one for self-esteem um, is to assess who you look up to and assess your Instagram feed and clean it up. Um, Yeah, I think that's one of the best things that I've done Um, because if you're anything like me, um, the first thing I do in the morning is pick up my phone. I know it's naughty. I should be, I don't know, meditating or something, but that's (laughs) just what I do. Um, (laughs) um, And now it is a positive experience. Like I don't feel like I wake up and go, oh, you know, wish I was like that, wish I was like that. But instead now I follow accounts that, and some of the accounts I follow aren't even people. Now they're like interiors or things that make me um, learn something new or um, obviously body positivity people, self-love people. Um, and also I love following like older women who um, still rock it, you know, like Iris. Um, yes, she's I so cool to follow. Yeah. yeah, people who are just owning who they are in different stages of their lives. I yeah, I really love that. And I also love following um who's that girl? Steph. There's this girl I've recently come across, Steph Tisdell. She's a comedian and she's um she's an Aboriginal woman and she I saw her live recently and she is so funny. Um go and check her out. Um You'll have to send me her account and then I can put her in the show notes. Yes, <laughs> Steph Tisdale comedy. Um she yeah I just really look up to people who are um doing cool things despite what they look like um it's just irrelevant to what they do um yeah so she's a good one to follow um and then there are all the like really big accounts who are doing body positivity like Chessie King if you know who she is um and Jamil of course the queen yes Yes, she's the one that calls out the Kardashians all the time, isn't she? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Jamila Jamil, sorry. Um, yeah, so she's great to follow. Um, there are a lot of people doing cool things online now. So, yeah, I just look up to women who, yeah, are owning who they are and achieving goals um, which are irrelevant to how they look. I love that. Such, such, such powerful advice. Um, and look, we've touched on the importance of living life and being present to the experiences around us. And something that's been on my mind lately is fun because it seems like women are amongst the first to let fun go when we get busy. We get stuck in all the all the things that we have to do and all the things that we get to do. But can mm-hmm. you share with us what do you personally do for fun and how often do you get to do it? Um what do I do for fun? Well, I'm really lucky because I get to go on stage and that is just the most fun that anyone can have. <laughs> um, um, but besides work, like I just love to go to the beach now because I think before this whole movement, the beach was not the most positive experience. Like I would just kind of sit on the sand and not really experience it. But now I love to get in the water and I love to go with people and um, I try and get to the beach once a month now. Um, and that's been sort of a new, a new thing for me because I didn't really love going to the beach before. Um, yeah, so I'm going to say that. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And I just wanted to finish our chat up today with a quick round of some rapid fire questions just so that our community can get to know you a little bit more. Um, and then I'll let you get on with your day because I know you're heading into studio after this as well. I am. I yeah. am. All right, let's do okay. it. Let's do it. Okay, so what is your go-to cafe order? Oh, I love scrambled eggs, sourdough, <laughs> sounds so boring, and bacon. Like I just love the old cafe. Uh, and you can get it anywhere as well. So I love to try the you know, the different cafes. And some sometimes I have a side of um, like tomato relish. <laughs> Wild, I know, but I just love the classics. Sounds good. And would you say you're more a sweet or savoury person? 
Oh, definitely a sweet tooth. I um I love ice cream. That's my ultimate dessert. And uh, what's your favorite flavor? Oh, I don't discriminate. I just love it all. Um, but just chocolate. Like I love classic chocolate ice cream. And if I'm at a restaurant, I don't get ice cream without dessert. I have to ask for it because it's just it's the finisher, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you need it. Now, could you describe your daily uniform or your personal style? Mm. Um, I love a maxi dress. I just feel so comfortable in a maxi dress and um, it doesn't matter like where I am or what time of year it is. You can always put like a little jumper over the top and it looks cute. Um, (laughs) You can be, you know, bloated and just feel comfortable, nothing, you know. And that's something, a little tip. If if you are having a bad body image day, like wear something comfortable and then you probably are less likely to think about it. Um, So, yeah, maxi dress is like my go-to. Absolutely. And what is your favourite song at the moment or your favourite artist? Ooh, um, who's my favourite artist? There's this really cool chick called Dagny from the Netherlands. Um, and she is really – she's awesome. She's a great songwriter. Um, it's D-A-G-N-Y, Dagny Music on Instagram. Awesome. And what is your worst habit? Oh, what is my worst habit? I have a few. Um, <laughs> Hit me. um i bite the corner of my thumb you know the how you get those little i don't know what they're called um cuticle thingy yeah oh i pick them so much and when i'm nervous um like before i go on stage i'll probably always have bleeding thumbs because i just pick them it's just a nervous habit i know i don't even think about it i look down at my thumbs are bleeding so that's that's a habit i've got to i've got to beat and what is your best habit? My best habit. Um, best habit. Do I have a best habit? <laughs> I don't know. Um, probably talk maybe. Self talk is a good habit to have. It's a new one for me. Um, also, I'm pretty um, pedantic with um, washing my hands before I eat, which That's is a good habit. Yes habit to have at the moment (laughs) brilliant and can you share a must read book with our community oh I just read the best book um by sorry I'm gonna bring it up on Instagram um have you heard of Megan Crab Crabby Crab oh god I'm saying it wrong um, but on, on Instagram, she's Body Positivity Panda. She's very famous. She's oh, like I have, I've heard of her. Um, I've listened, I think I've listened to a podcast episode with her perhaps or something. She's definitely come across my radar. Yeah, she is like the queen of body positivity and her book is unreal. I just finished reading it and if you haven't read it, go and read it. All right, we'll put it in the show notes so that people can find it easily. Um, second last question, what keeps you aligned? What makes you feel centered? Um, probably music, you know, having that outlet and being able to write whatever I want and it doesn't even have to be for release. It's just for me. It's a form of meditation and I'm really grateful that I have that outlet. Um, cause yeah, I, I don't meditate and I think I, I get by without it and I think it's because I, can you know if I'm feeling overwhelmed I'll just go and write a song and that's my meditation that's your process yeah it is and last but not least what are some words to live by or your favorite quote that you find yourself repeating um probably I don't know if it's a really generic one but um stay in your lane that is my quote because it's just it's simple and it's just a good reminder you know, there's always going to be outside influences and people's opinions. And um, often you might find yourself comparing yourself to other people. And I just say, stay in my lane and keep moving forward, put the blinders on and you'll get through. And it applies to so many areas in life. I love that one as well. One I often Mm. use too. It's a goodie. Now, I know I said that was the last one, but can you tell us a little bit about your newest single before you go 
Yeah, so we just released a single called Don't Believe in Love and um, we shot the film clip here in Brisbane as we as we do. And, um, yeah, just check it out because it's a fun track. It's one of my favourite Shepherd songs and it's, um, yeah, it's just come out. But we we wrote it about three years ago and it didn't actually make it onto the last album. Um, I don't know why. Like it just wasn't really fitting with the well, rest of the selection. Time. Yeah, but it's finally out and I'm so excited. So, um, yeah, go check it out. It's on uh, Spotify and iTunes and YouTube and all the usual places. Brilliant. And I'll make sure we pop that in the show notes along with the other things too, just so that our audience can find it easily. But thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you're doing in the space because it's very, very inspiring. Thank you, Kyle, and I've loved following you recently and um, I'll keep up to date. Thanks for having me. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.